0: Let's just pause for one more second. I know I just prayed, so I hesitate to pray again. But I just want to pause and maybe ask the question what are you expecting in the next twenty-five to thirty minutes? Father, we pray. I just ask that you would fill our hearts with great expectations. Thank you for being here with us. We invite you to speak and we open our hearts to you. Amen. A wise man once said, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. My family in a month will move for the seventh time in two and a half years. I'm getting a little tired of talking about it, actually. Uh, We sold our condo, if you didn't know this, I'm sure most of you already do, two and a half years ago in the hopes of having a, a home for our family that would be more conducive to doing small groups and hosting parties and things like that. And there hasn't been an answer, at least one that we've recognized. So maybe there's some come along and we missed it, I don't know. But in that season uh, of kind of waiting on the Lord and feeling like he led us to a place and now we don't know what happened. There's all kinds of doubts and uh, fears, unbelief that surface. Anytime you're in a, a situation like that, you feel like maybe you've lost your way or you've missed it somehow. And the overwhelming question that I often feel is, where are you, God? And what are you doing? Where are you, and what on earth are you doing? We're starting a new series today that will take us through Easter, and then uh, four or five weeks after that, called The Unsung Superhero working with us to save the world. Where we're going to take a closer look at the unseen and often unacknowledged third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. So to do this, we're going to look at the book of Luke-Acts. It's really kind of like a two-part book written by this physician named Luke who became a believer and uh, is writing to this guy named Theophilus, which we see in both of the introductions to his book, to explain kind of what, what this whole the way is about, or these Christians, as they were called. And so we're going we're to kind of take a stop as we're moving through this Lent season, and then afterwards towards Pentecost, uh, looking at some key passages. The incarnation today, the baptism of Jesus next week. Uh, the transfiguration, and then obviously on Easter looking at Jesus' death and resurrection and actually ascension as well in Luke 24. And then we'll move into the book of Acts and look at Pentecost and then three significant kind of layers of the church growing through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And here is what we're going to find in this series. The Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit, the living Spirit of God is here. If Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, then the Holy Spirit is God in us. God before us, God behind us, God beside us, God below us, God above us, God in us. He is working. Just like Jesus said, he said he's always working, and my Father is always working, so is the Holy Spirit. We often leave him out, however. God the Father gets a lot of press, right? I mean, he's the Father, Oftentimes, whether it's in our rage about what's going on in our life or even doubting that God exists to kind of communicating with God. He's often the one we pray to. Jesus, right, from people cursing his name or using it as a swear word to Jesus being the one that we sing to, but often it's the Holy Spirit that we somehow forget about. Yet he is the one that is here And working, and this is what we're going to see through the book of Luke, Acts. Now, I'm going to try something a little different this morning. We'll see how it goes, okay? I'm going to ask you to turn your right brain on. It's very difficult for a mathy like me. And I want to gauge it a little more in kind of the story here, and I, my ask to you is that you would, you turn on your right brain and your imagination. I want you to imagine today. So we're not thinking, we're going to do a little bit of that, not thinking and dealing with ideas as much as I want you to deal with pictures, experiences, and feelings of the story that I'm going to read I want to take you on a little journey to this very long first chapter in Luke to see where the story of the kingdom of heaven, God's country, enters the world. So would you go with me on a little trip and turn on your imagination for a little bit? This is the the best shot a left brain's got, okay? Okay? So if you have a Bible, I'm actually going to ask you not to read along, but to listen and to imagine. If it helps you to close your eyes at different points, great. I won't suspect that you're falling asleep. Okay? And if you do fall asleep, peace of Christ. Okay? <laughs> That's wonderful. The Holy Spirit can minister to you in your sleep. All right? Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things That have been fulfilled among us. Just as they were handed down to us by those who, from the first, were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught i wonder what was it like to have been an eyewitness of jesus i wonder What was it like to have seen Jesus? To have walked alongside of him and seen everything that he did? What was it like to look into his eyes? To hear him speak your name? To hear him speak a word, and someone who was dead for more than three days walked out of a grave. I wonder, what was it like to feel his hand on your shoulder? To receive a hug? to watch him heal every person, crowding their way into a very small house, leaving with joy and a fully healed body. I wonder, what is it like to be with Jesus? Well, Theophilus, let me tell you. In the time of Herod, you remember when he was king of Judea, there was a priest, and his name was was Zechariah. Theophilus, his name means the Lord has remembered. I know you're not great with your Hebrew. He belonged to the priestly division of Abijah, his wife Elizabeth, her name means my God is abundance. She was also a descendant of Aaron. And both of them, they were righteous in the sight of God. Observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. When God looked at them, He was proud. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. I wonder what it was like for Zechariah to be named the lord has remembered but to feel like he had forgotten you i wonder what it was like for for elizabeth to live her whole life and never receive the child she always wanted the child that would that would dignify her before other women I wonder what it was like for your name to be my God is abundance but to feel an overwhelming lack What was it like to follow God all the days of your life always seeking to do his will feeling like he never gave you that one thing. I'll tell you, Theophilus, it felt like years of tears. Sadness, confusion, hope, but then more disappointment. Where was God? And what was he doing? Well, once when, when Zechariah's division, remember again, he was a priest. They were on duty, and, and he was serving before God. He was chosen by lot. Random process, Theophilus, that the Jews used to do. It was according to the custom of the priesthood, and he was to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense in the holy place. And when the time came for the, the burning of the incense, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. There he was, surrounded by all the people in the courtyard of the temple. He could hear sheep bleeding. His dry and, and all the shuffling feet have, have put the smell of dust in his nostrils. He waits. And he hears his name called Zechariah of the order of Abidjah. And he knows what he's to do. He looks up and sees the immensity of the temple before him. Walks over to the pool, washes himself in the ritual manner as he had been trained. As he approaches the temple, he hears the people praying behind him until he steps into the holy place and all is quiet. Passes the candlestick on his left and the table on his right. And he lights the incense and the smell begins to fill the room. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm, I'm old and my wife is old too. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now, Zechariah, you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. And with that, the angel disappeared, and all was once again quiet. Incense filling the room. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. And they realized he'd seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. And the whole way, he was kicking himself. Why didn't I believe? But I'm going to have a son. Will it really happen? Will will my unbelief keep this from happening? If it does happen, will my speech really come back? Oh, Zechariah. Why can't you just believe? Why are you always second-guessing God? All those years of sadness. But now God's answered. Oh, look at Elizabeth. She has nothing but a smile on her face. I can't help but tear up when I look at her. She believes. She's not going to let go of this word. And she's also happy now that I can't talk back. I wonder if God shut me up just so that I didn't speak doubt so that my pattern of unbelief wouldn't hinder her faith. Look at her beaming. Well, as things go, after this, Zechariah's wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant. And for five months, remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. What did Elizabeth feel? I wonder. And what was the reason for her seclusion? Maybe there was a hint of losing the baby in those early months and that joy turning into mourning. I wonder. Where was God? The question started to be answered. And what was he doing? I wonder if the seclusion was to silence any other voices that would doubt the word of God to her. So, Theophilus, what happened was in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel again. This time to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Can you see her? There she is in her house. It's dark. The windows are small. The light is shining through. It's late morning. Her parents have left for work and to run errands with some of her siblings. And rarely, she finds herself alone. She's humming, and she's cleaning. She's happy. Thinking about Joseph and their soon-to-be life together. She begins to pray, thanking God for the gift of a husband, and a really tender-hearted one at that. All of a sudden, there's a bright light, and she can feel someone in the room, a voice. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. She freezes. She's startled, a million questions, and nothing flowing through her mind at the same time. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. She feels the the, the pride in Gabriel's voice. His enthusiasm to share the greatest message that's ever been brought. But the words start to sink in. And she takes a breath. Something isn't right here. Wait a second. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. A long pause. The dots are connecting. I am going to give birth to the Messiah me the holy one the dream of every hebrew mother is happening to me but what about joseph our our life together that was to be a tear forms in mary's eye then another she realizes what this may mean. Losing not only Joseph, but her dignity as well. She gathers herself, gathers her courage, and she remembers who she is. I am the Lord's servant, Mary said. May your word to me be fulfilled. And like that, the angel was gone. What was it like to receive this news? I wonder. What did Mary feel when she received the news that every Jewish woman longed to hear? You will bear the Messiah. The chosen one will come from your womb. The anointed one will be your son. But you're not married. And it won't be Joseph's baby. How would she tell him? Where was God? What was he doing? So, right away, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. The journey was full of tears, mourning a life that would have been, elated to carry the Holy One inside of her, but confused about why God's timing was so poor, feeling God's favor and remembering the words the angel spoke to her. Gabriel, he was kind, powerful, confident, fearless, warm. And she felt some of those things too. But Joseph, oh, Joseph. Surely she would lose him, and no one would believe her story. Why had the angel only appeared to her? Why didn't he come when, her, when my parents were there? I hope that Elizabeth will understand. If anyone would believe me, it'll be her. She knows me, and she knows hardship. Especially with all that's happened to her, Lord, let her believe my story. Give me someone to walk with me along this path. She entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth, overwhelmed with emotion. The only thing she could say was, oh, Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, immediately the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, She exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill His promises to her. Mary's heart leaps She knows the truth. She knows me. God knows me. Thank you, God. Oh, thank you, God. She can't hold it in. She opens her mouth. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but He has sent the rich away empty. He has helped His servant Israel remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever just as he promised our ancestors. And with that, Mary finishes her first and last sermon, completely improv, and finds herself on her knees, clutching Elizabeth's hands, who is also at her knees, crying, hugging, giggling, then crying and hugging some more, Out of the place of loss comes praise. They wipe their tears and their noses, and then they sit down to eat. And they did that for three months. Tears, hands, hugging, giggling, and eating. And then she went home. Shortly after Mary left, it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby. And there never was a more excited mother. All fear of delivery, even at this old, ripe age, was gone. For Elizabeth, her faith had filled her with joy. There was some hard work, there was some labor, but the baby came fast. And just as God said, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. What a party. They didn't just slaughter the fattened calf. They slaughtered the whole flock. You could smell the meat roasting from a mile away, and you could hear the singing and dancing from two miles. And Elizabeth, she got up to dance. Nothing was going to hold her back from celebrating this gift. She didn't last long because Zechariah commanded her to sit down. But man, did she praise. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father Zechariah. But his mother spoke him and said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, There's no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue set free and he began to speak, praising God. He couldn't hold it in. A son. God has kept his promise. What a gift. Tears. Joy. There was so much to express. His heart was filled with gratitude. It was flowing out of him. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel. Because he has come to his people and redeemed them. into the path of peace. All the neighbors heard it and were filled with awe. And the powerful word that was spoken and all that had happened surrounding this birth. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. And the child grew and became strong in spirit. And he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. Where was God? What was he doing? The Holy Spirit was there. And he was was moving. He loosened and opened up a womb that had been closed for decades. He closed and opened the mouth of Zechariah. He put the seed of heaven in Mary's body and met her fears with a word straight from heaven as she crossed the threshold of Elizabeth's home. Yes, the Holy Spirit is here. Where is God? He's right here. Our challenge is to acknowledge that and to open our hearts to that hope that God is really here and he is moving. And this story is just the beginning of heaven invading this earth. Of every tear being wiped away, and all things being made new. The Holy Spirit is here. Let's have the band come back up. I want to invite you to um, close your eyes and give you one question to process as the band just preps real quick and then I'll invite you to stand and sing. And it's just a simple one. And this same question, the only challenge I have is just try to take the accusation out of it because we can often use it as an accusation. I just want you, though, to be able to try to rest and just ask God, God, where have you been in my life, in my story? Can you remind me of where you were and I didn't see it? So Holy Spirit, come and show us the places where you were in our life.